Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. Um, it is me, Pastor Adam, and this is episode 93 um, and the eighth or ninth in our recent series talking about the decline of the church in America. And so this is called, this series has been called Symptoms of a Dead Church. And so we're just talking through the various reasons that we have a steep decline basically since the turn of the century. Turn of the century makes it sound old, but it's really only, we're only talking 1999 when we say that. Um, and so we've gotten various different perspectives. So today I have a very um, awesome guest on the line with me. He's actually on the phone, so this podcast may sound a little different. Um, but this is my good friend, Scott Limerick. Scott, say hey to everybody. Hello, everyone. Scott, so we're so glad to have you. Um, Scott is and has worked with um, Compassion International now for a long time, and then, of course, has ministry experience his whole life. And so um, he's a dad, he's a husband, he's a dad, he's a grandpa. And so, Scott, just tell us all about yourself a little bit, however, whatever you want to, and then um, some of your work with Compassion, because that's one of the reasons why I want your perspective on this, um, is because of you know the fact that you work with so many churches and things like that. So just, just give us a little perspective on yourself. Okay, sure. Um, thanks for having me, Adam. I love being Absolutely. here. Absolutely, being able to share, especially when you get older. You know, as you get older, we love to like give our ideas and opinions to everyone because no one's listening. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so I'm. I am uh, one of those statistic kids. So my mom, um, born a long time ago, my mom had a woman at the well story and. Uh, she came from a really, really, really tough childhood, and she just kind of, you know, carried that cycle into right. adulthood. And when I was conceived, um, she really didn't know who my dad was. Uh, right. She just had a whole uh, bunch of guys calling on her, and she wasn't a believer at the time, obviously. And I'm one of five kids. We share different dads. Don't know how many dads are in the picture. We think two, maybe three. I don't know. Right. It doesn't really matter. Right. But she never really knew who my father was. And so I come from a, uh, a fatherless home. A dude adopted me at birth, and he was a bit of a mess. And my adopted father was um, an abusive alcoholic fellow that died when I was 13. And so I was one of those. I'm one of five kids, and I'm the oldest, right? But I was one of those uh, those kids that grew up angry, bitter, right, right. just always looking for a fight, um, looking for a reason to fight. And when I turned 21, I became a Christ follower and everything changed. Like everything changed. That's what Jesus does. And I've, That's never, what he does. I've never really turned away from him since then. And in that time, since then, I'm, I'm now 61 years old, but I've had four careers that God has let me be a part of. And I've loved every one of them and did not want to leave any of them. But every one of them allowed me to kind of reach people in the margins. And so I've always yeah. had a heart for those that the rest of society tends to shun or forget. And um, and so I was in insurance and financial planning. I was in radio and television. I was a pastor, and now I'm at Compassion International. And each one of those, I didn't want to leave, believe it or not. So God kind of pushed me to do the next thing, and that's where I'm at now. And I've been at Compassion for just over nine and a half years. I uh, love serving churches, love, and this is this t- 
topic that you um, yeah. that you you know asking me to speak on is is um, one of my favorite topics because one of the things that compassion gets to do is to rescue the American church out of its slumber. If right. that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. And so that's what we do. We serve churches and and um, let them go. You know, take care of the nation. So that's me. Yep. Yep. Cool, Scott. So that's that's the primary reason. I mean, you know, I knew some of your background and things like that, and you, you and I have known each other now for um, gosh, four or five years. Um, our church is, uh, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast are not necessarily associated with our church, and so this is not really a church-related podcast, but those of you that are, you know, Union Church is our church that we started about 10 years ago, and we've been partnering and um, rescuing kids out of poverty in the name of Jesus with Compassion International for multiple years now, and it's really changed the life of our church. Um, so we'll throw some stuff in the uh, in the podcast notes and things on social so you guys can follow up with that. and takes 38 40 bucks to rescue a kid out of poverty my family we personally um, have six and our church has rescued hundreds and hundreds over the last several years and so it's just an awesome thing to be a part of that was one of the primary reasons Scott I want to have you on is because first off um, you're very blunt and to the point uh, like me and so that'll be good we, we can be equal opportunity offenders on the podcast right <laughs> And podcasts are great because nobody talks back to you. You're just talking, right? And so, uh, That's right. Uh, right. And you can't see any, you can't see anybody, so you don't know. You know, you don't know if you should be scared of the person that you're listening to the podcast with or not. But, <laughs> um, but that perspective that you bring of just you know, so so it's multiple pieces, right? Like, it's the perspective of working with all kinds of different churches in America, but then also the perspective of seeing the church in other locations and other places and especially in the poverty stricken areas that compassion works in. And so, you know, some of the worst places in the world, um, you know, financially and, you know, uh, food wise and all those kind of things, security wise, safety wise. And so anyway, you just bring that perspective on it. And so let me just, let me just set the tone real quick before we're going to, we're going to throw it to Scott and all we're going to do is do what we've been doing on podcasts. We're just going to get his first gut level idea thought on why the church in America is declining. And so, Scott, I'm sure you know these stats. I'm sure that you and Compassion talk about it a lot as well. But the church in America is in steep decline, um, and, and it just hit a re- it just hit a new threshold recently. For the first time ever in the history of America, um, people that identify as belonging to a church family. So we would back in the day we'd call that membership. So some people call that membership, some people don't. But the people have actually belong, identify and belong to this specific um, church family, this specific membership of a church or house of worship or house of faith um, has fallen below fifty percent. It's the first time ever. And wow. then, and then on top of that, so that's that's like membership idea. Then of course we know attendance has been dropping for a long time in general, overall. And then also, um, you have the increase of people who are now identifying, um, we call them the nuns, right? Not not like a Catholic nun, but like the N-O-N-E-S nuns, the ones that identify with no religious affiliation whatsoever. So that number is in um, drastic increase, while every single age group of people is decreasing on how many identify as a Christian, a Christ follower. And so it, it, you can't just say, well, the old people are dying and the young people aren't identifying, and so that's why there's this discrepancy. No, even that older generation, even the older generation, even the baby boomers are continuing to decrease in how many of them 
identify as Christ followers. So every single age group, and of course, of course, the uh, the Gen Zers identify as not as a Christian in a higher rate, but so it's increasing. But then the amount of nuns are increasing too, which means that we're con- going to continue to go forward in a steep decline unless something happens differently. So the reason we're talking through this, Scott, just so you know, and you're like me on this, you got to talk about the problem if you're going to solve the problem. So we're not doing this to complain, right? We're not doing this to whine. Christians are real good at whining. We don't need any more Christian whining. Um, we're doing, and we're not doing this to blame anybody else or the outside world or anything. We're doing this to say, hey, look, if we, we got to talk through the problem if we're ever going to be able to actually find a solution to this thing. So um, does that make sense to you, Scott? Oh, it does. Yeah. So we have, we have, uh, if you've listened to the last several, this is episode nine of this. We've interviewed multiple different people, had multiple different guests of different perspectives and stuff. And so Scott brings his unique perspective he told you about. So without further ado, Scott, what, what do you think? What's your gut level thought on why the church in America is climbing? I know it's hard sometimes to pick just one, but what I have found is that most people have some sort of perspective that I believe you know, the Holy Spirit is laying on their hearts that they see a little clearer, clearer because, you know, maybe clearer than other people because of their, you know, where they're at in their life and what they do and, you know, just the perspective that God has given them. And so, you know, I know it's, I'm, I'm, you can say more than one, but really I'm looking for is what's that main one you think? Wow. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a complex situation. And since I'm an older guy um, and I'm a history nut, I've, started studying generations and what I'm learning is that one generation is a direct response to the previous generation so um, I am 61 years old and the generation before me the way they did church and the way they did missions and it's just the way they were taught and uh, listen I'm not saying there's any right or wrong here so this is what I want people to understand if you are looking for a reason to be offended, you're going to find plenty of reasons in Man. what I'm about to say. Yes, sir. What, yes, sir. What I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just, I'm just giving you observations. And so the generation before me, they really took membership seriously because church was more like a country club for them. Yeah. Now they, that would really make them mad for me to say that. Yep. But it's just the truth. Yep. You, they would walk into church. Um, I am was raised Southern Baptist, and so I would see some of these older people when they would have perfect attendance Sunday walk into church where they would get a pen. You know, you'd get a pen right. if you went to church every Sunday, and they walked in with all of their pens on their on their sport coat jacket, <laughs> and they looked like an Iraqi war general. And I'm not even kidding, and that would be great if it wasn't for the fact that they were also some of the meanest people I'd ever met in my yep, life. Yep, yep. And I'm not kidding when yeah. I say that. I Hateful, agree. mean to their wife. Their kids were awful. They were mean to their pastor because a lot of them were deacons. And I'm just telling you from my experience. Yeah, I, you I feel have, you. You know, whoever's listening, you may not have this experience, and I'm thankful for that. And honestly, I'm thankful that I had this experience myself because it taught me what I don't want to be. Absolutely. And so, so membership's a problem and you don't do missions by sending people and that's going to sound mean. And I don't mean it to sound that way. Sometimes that's all you can do. You're not physically able, you're old and you, you just can't go. But God says in Matthew to go and go going is what changed me. Right. It's what changed me. I 
I gave money to missions. I, you know, sat through, you know, presentations by missionaries. God bless them. They were honestly growing up. I didn't think there were ever a more boring person in my life than a missionary. However, when I got to go and serve with that missionary in their giftedness in the field, it blew my mind. And it really convicted me of how I was being judgmental towards them just because they may not be a good public speaker. So I'm saying all that to say that my generation then said, we're not doing that. We're not going to church every time the doors open. Right. You don't have to. What, who started this? You have to go on Sunday night and Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And and because now the, the generation after me, we kind of got rid of some of that. But then we started doing small groups, which I totally understand why we do that. Right. And so you go to church on Sundays now. And if you serve, it's not like it was for my parents' generation. You if you serve on Sunday now, you arrive at 7 o'clock or whatever, you leave around 1, and you're absolutely worn out. Right. Is that really what God's saying church should be? I mean, I don't know. But as a pastor, remember, I was a pastor for 13 years. What else can you do? You've got to have volunteer help. You can't just hire everyone to do it. Right. And if you hire everyone to do it, then their heart's not in it. Yeah. They're not doing it out of love. And love is this this whole thing. So that what I'm saying is each generation has struggled with this in some form or fashion. They really have. And um, the generation before me went to church because they were supposed to. The generation, my generation, went, I'm not sure we're supposed to all the time. Right. The generation after me is like, I know we're not supposed to go to church as much as we were. But now the problem is that what church has become to try to attract people to come to church is not what God calls church. Yeah. And and I'm seeing that with my own eyes. Yeah, I feel so, that. I feel that. Yeah. For sure. I, and I yeah. struggle so with, here's, here's struggle with it all the time. Yep. It, 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 it's a show. That's what I hear. Yep. It's a show, man. Church is a big show now. It's like the, the band's incredible. Everybody on stage is beautiful. They never sing a sour note. Um, but but they, just, they just walk up and sing. And they walk off stage and I never see them again. Mm-hmm. And they don't connect with me. They never tell me any, you know, they don't try to engage with me in between songs like they did 20 years ago. Um, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it, it, they sing songs that are too high. They sing new songs all the time. So I've, it's, all, it's a struggle for me to try to even follow during the music time. I can't just relax and sing the songs because I'm not familiar with them. And by the way, this is not me being the old dude, get off my lawn. I'm, I have a young right. soul. Like right. my favorite Christmas song right now is the Christian rap song. So I'm not, I'm not get off my lawn guy. Oh yeah. You're, you're definitely, you're definitely not that the, guy. The fastest yeah. growing church in America, the church that is growing right now is multi-generational and multicultural. Yep. And guess what? I really believe that some of this falling away in church, and this is my one word. I think it may be prophecy. Mm. I really do. I think I think we're get, I think God's winding this thing down. Oh gosh, here's another guy talking about you know. I'm just right. telling you, right? You can't, you just quoted the the statistics. Yep. You can make numbers say a lot of things. You really can, but you can also just ignore them, and that's what a lot of churches are doing. So I just I I see so many I I see people deconstructing from their walk with God. They say, and I'm like. Dude, you never had a walk with God. If you if you walk with God, it's never boring. It always has you 
out of your comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, on the edge of your seat. You know, it's yeah. always asking you to do something you've never done before. That's that's what walking with God looks like. So I tell people all the time, that's what I love about what compassion does with churches. We help churches kind of get off that Christian treadmill that we all get on. Yeah. Where we clock in, we do church, and then we clock out. There's no clocking in and clocking out with God. You right. either know him and you love him and he's Lord or you don't know him. It's pretty simple. And that little lukewarm life trying to straddle the fence is misery. Yeah. It's misery. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the term that I used to, I had a youth pastor tell me one time, it's spit, S-P-I-T. It's the lukewarmness when God says, I've, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth yep. because you're not hot or cold. And you and I are wired the same, Adam. We're, we're either hot or we're cold. Yep. There's not much lukewarm in the middle. And Absolutely. so um, that's, here's my thing. If you, if you feel like you're getting bored with your walk with God, it's not God. Mm. Always remember that. And you can experience God, even in that church that seems to be programming God out of their service, right? If that's happening a lot, just keep looking till you find a church that that's not so full of themselves, right? I think what happens is people deconstruct from following a certain person, a yeah. certain song leader, if right. you want to call him that, right. a worship leader, a, um, you know, a, a pastor that's become, Preacher, right. you know, for lack of a better word, a megastar. Like, dude, the pastors nowadays are incredible. They really are. They're way better communicators than than a lot of the guys were back in the day. But here's the problem. The guys back in the day that may not have had great communication skills, the, what they were preaching was absolute truth, yeah. and lives were changing. You know? And right. now you've got a lot of people coming to church, and when they leave church, man, dude, girlfriend, look what she's wearing to church, man. What right. the heck? Right, Um what, I, I, you stand at the coffee, I, I do this a lot. I'll stand at the coffee area and just watch men watch girls. Mm-hmm. And it's going to sound crazy, but what I'm doing is I'm like, Lord, please. And, you know, we're, we're, we're men. God made us a certain way, and I get that. But we're supernatural if we're Christ followers. Absolutely. Right? And so we Absolutely. don't have to act the same way. And so, man, I swear, it seems like 90% of the dudes at church nowadays, if they're 40 and under, they're there to pick up chicks. it's just um so if i had to you know maybe prophecy would be a one word that fulfilling prophecy the other one would be authenticity people are just tired of the show Mm. they're just tired of going to church and it feeling like they're at the gym or at a club or at a country club and i'm not kidding when i say that i'm just keeping it real um and listen, as a pastor of 13 years, we would sit in staff meetings and we would hear some people make some comments about the church because our church grew pretty large, pretty right, quick, right. really. And and I can remember us sitting there going, well, I don't know. Ah, but you've got to be careful. It's what I always tell everybody. I was a, a coach for a long time, and I'm still this way. You've got to learn to take criticism. And we're so soft in America today that we can't take any criticism whatsoever. We immediately become defensive. We immediately start pointing out flaws of the person that's giving you the criticism. And so what I used to always say is anytime you get criticism, it hurts. I don't care who you are. It hurts, right? But let that be a mirror. There's, when, you, when you're criticized, there's a lot of it that's untrue. Right. But, but, but there's some of it. 
That yeah, there's always a percentage of it that's true. Like what percent right. what percent that's in this right. can I own? That's like stereotypes. Right. I right. hate stereotypes, but there's a reason they, they get created. There's yeah, there's a reason they exist. There's some truth so, there, right. You know, and so I, I say all that to say that a little bit of it is authenticity too. People are just tired of it being like a big show and and I get it, man. I was a worship pastor. You do want to try to do your best and make it excellent. But you've got, listen, just, I, I tell pastors all the time, you just want a roadmap for that day. You don't want a train track. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if, if, if your service, if the Holy Spirit steps in and causes you to change what you've got going on on your train track, then it's a train wreck when right. you jump off of that. Nobody can handle that. It's just a map. And then the Holy Spirit jumps in there, which you hope and pray happens 52 Sundays a year. Right. Right? Right. Then... I'm telling you, I am telling you, I know generation this and generation that, people are still people, and they still have a heart, and we still have a, a little hole in it that just will not, nothing will fit but Jesus. And, yeah. and yeah. if I ever finish the book that I keep threatening to write, it's called God's Got This Thing Rigged, and, and the subtitle is, But That's Okay. Because he loves us, right, right? Right. But he does have it rigged, man. He's got it. He's got it set up to where nothing will work without him. Nothing. You want to be an atheist? God bless you. Just do the best you can. Let me know how it works out, right? You want to try to go to church every now and then for political reasons, or to get that girl, or because your wife is dragging you to church, or your mom and dad? That's fine. But if that little hole in your heart doesn't have Jesus in it. You're just going to, you know, it's, yeah, nothing's yeah. ever going to feel like home here because we were created for a different place. And I just think that some of that authenticity, maybe, let me say that one. I'm going to change it from so you think, to authenticity. There's my word. So you think that the, obviously the church, and we you, you've you been a part of it, I've been a part of it, has, you know, obviously perpetuated this problem of trying to help fill that hole with something else other than God, right? Like we, you know, by saying, all right, we got to, service has got to look like this and it's got to flow this way and we got to do things this way, you know, and this is how you're supposed to be and this is what it's supposed to look like and here's what's required of you and all those things. Whatever it may be, we've kind of we've kind of said, well, here's how we're going to feel that with other than other than Jesus. Well, you could be right on that, Adam. You really could be right. I, I, here's what I think. I think I think down deep. Now, I'm, I'm sure it's not a hundred percent. I think if you take one hundred pastors that planted churches and you put them in various parts of the United States or England or Australia or wherever, right? Uh, but right. let's say United States. And I, you know, I'm going to, I'm hope I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to say at least 90 of those 100 started with legitimate, just, i I really believe yeah, God is saying I agree. start a church and do it this way. I agree. I think they did it. They did it for the right reasons. I'm yeah. not even kidding. I really think that. I believe. And maybe it. ten of them, you know, this one dude says, "I've always wanted to have a mega church." Not a good reason to start a church. <laughs> right. I'm I am mad at Adam Cook and Union Church yeah. because they did this and this, and I'm going to start my own church. Nope, not the reason you start a church. Um, I've done some. I've looked in, and I've done some studies, and they claim that this area here right. and this part right. of Kentucky would be a great place for a brand new church. You know, yeah, maybe some of that, but that's really not. You do it because God 
moved in your heart so much, like yeah. Jeremiah, that your bones ache yep. if you don't do it. Yeah, right? I agree. So Absolutely. I think they start for the right reasons. And I'm going to say that out of those 90 that probably, I pray, Lord, please, at least 50 of those are still doing it and still depending on God and not so full of themselves. But the other ones, it just turns into like a drug. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. It's um, You want to be heard and seen and known so much that you want to be heard and seen and known more than you want Jesus to be heard and seen and known. And I think it kind of, you know, the word evolution is not a terrible word unless you believe that's really how we got here. I, right. I, I, I used to believe that. And then, honestly, the evidence doesn't point to that. So it, but we evolute. We do change some. Right, and, right. And I think some of that happens that way. I think it's, I really do think it's complex. And I think the enemy is very crafty. It's little tiny steps. That affair doesn't happen overnight. Right, right. Um, a pastor doesn't have a moral failure with a church secretary, someone he met that night, unless something's been going on in his heart for a long, long time. And, and that lady doesn't leave her husband, right. who's doing the best he can because she thinks this dude's going to give her a better life and, you know, he's this, he makes more money, he does this, he does that. And, of course, we all know how that ends up. It never ends up like you think, right? right? That's the thing about sin. Sin promises a really, really, really short-time pleasure. And, my goodness, if we just had the foresight to see the long-term pain that it brings. And that's what happens in these churches. And then you get into it, and and the pastors are like, dude, I am just, I've just deteriorated on the inside. Absolutely. And I can't keep doing this. And I'm depleted. I hear that a lot from pastors now. I'm just depleted. So we've become very, very me-focused in our culture. Um, I need some me time. Do you? Right. Really? Do you really? Like, let's sit down and let's look at that. How does that work out when we get me time? I mean, I'm not for even me, kidding. When for I me, it that. never I'm, works I'm well. I'm saying this is a, as yeah. just a grown man that hears it all the time, right? I, what I have found, and I swear it feels like medicine to me when I go serve somebody. Yeah, now, I agree with that you. to me. People, I agree with could you. It be, could it be that we were created to serve and not be served? Me time means you serve me. Well, you don't understand what it's like in my marriage, Scott. Well, no, I don't. I really don't. But I've seen some jacked up marriages before. My poor mom, God bless her. She became, you know, I want to finish that story about her. When she was 50, she became a Christian. And you have no idea the difference that God made in her life. People that knew her after she turned 50 and the people that knew her before she turned 50, they knew two totally different people. Only Jesus can do that, right? Yes, sir. But what I've seen, you know, I got to see in my wife's family I got to see a, a, a man love a woman unconditionally, and I got to see her love him back that way. And I got to see them out-love each other. They would literally try to out-love each other. It wasn't one of those where, well, you did that, so I'm doing this. Yeah. They didn't do that at all. Yeah. And so what I'm just trying to tell people is this. I'm not saying that you, you know, that God can completely turn your marriage and give it a 180 overnight, but he can start with you. And if you'll do what you're supposed to do, you'll be shocked at how the spouse will start doing the same thing. So anyway, it's, the church is the same way, right? The church is the same yeah. way. God's attacking marriage, and he's attacking the church. 
the two institutions that he created, or God's not attacking that. Right, Satan's right, right. That, I got I you. Say, forgive yep. me. Uh, but that's God's two um, institutions, and of course, it's the two things that the enemy is attacking the most: yeah. the church and and marriage. And, and Adam, let me say this too. Um, again, this is an old dude that I'm a I'm a people watcher, and I'm watching churches now because I get to serve churches. Compassion serve churches all over the world. Our, our work is holistic child development. That's just, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It's the reason I work at Compassion, by the way. Right. I was a pastor and moved to meet my Compassion child who I didn't even think existed. And the reason I mention that is because some people think, oh, <clears throat> here's what happens. They hire you at this XYZ organization and then they send you to their brainwashing orientation school. <laughs> and when you come out of that school, they hope you're all in on their organization, right? I'm not wired that way, and I'm not wired that way about compassion. I actually fell in love with compassion first, and then they contacted me, and I said, yes, I would I would love to be a part of that, but no, I'm not really interested right now. And then the doors kept opening, and that's how I ended up here. But what I love about what compassion does is all of our work is done in a local church. But people are all the time saying this, well, Scott, you know, statistics say that divorce is just as prominent in the church as it is in out of the church. Have you heard that, Adam? Yes, have yes. you heard that before? I have, yep. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've heard that this goes on in the church just as much as it goes on out of the church, and that's why we're not going to church anymore, blah, blah, blah. And here, I want to challenge that a little, because this I was always taught growing up that the church was not the building— Right. Right. What were you taught? What were you taught, Adam? The church was who? The people. That's right. That's what I was taught. But if you do a deep dive in the scripture, it's not even the people. It's the Christ followers mm-hmm. in the building. That's right. It's not the people. It's the church. Is the church in the building? So I know without a doubt because I was one of them. So I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I was one of these people. I started going to church to see my wife more. That's the way her parents allowed me to see her more right. often. Well, you can go to church with, and I, I went, heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> and while I was at church, for, you know, I just, I was going to be with her. That's no joke, no joke. And then at a revival, something happened, and I had this encounter with Jesus, and it's just never been the same since. But to the point that her parents saw the change in me, we dated, my wife and I dated four and a half years before I became a Christian, and we dated another six months. So we dated five years before we got married. Her mom and dad offered her a brand-new car the night before we got married to not marry me. <laughs> True story. And when, when my wife and I tell that, it, and when we're speaking at marriage meetings and conferences, we, people would say, well, hey, Kim, what what kind of car was it? And, you know, it was a new Honda. And I tell everybody, I'm, I'm thankful they didn't offer her a new BMW or something. She may have taken it. <laughs> but the, the issue is I was a jealous. I, I never was physically abusive to her at, at all, ever, which is a miracle because my adopted dad was that to my mom. But um, I was verbally abusive. I was incredibly jealous of her because she's beautiful and still always has been. But it was funny. Everything changed when I got saved. That's what Jesus does. And they didn't really believe that I changed. They thought I was just faking it. And so we, we talk about that even to this day because my wife and I will celebrate 40 years of marriage this August. But um, And we love it. And we love each other. And it's not perfect. But, man, do we love each other. But the, the point is the people in the building are not the church. It's 
it's the Christ followers. Right. And right. here's what I want to tell people. I would bet you that you won't see divorce numbers as high in Christ followers. And I, I would say that domestic violence is not as rampant in a, in a, in a marriage between two Christ followers. Yeah. Two people that go to church. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're just, they're just being religious. Religion will kill you, literally kill you. And, you know, we all talk about how it's a relationship. Well, that's the truth. But you're still just doing religion if you haven't let God come in and change you. And that's the authenticity we're talking about. Our kids nowadays, the Gen Zers, saw their parents go to church, but they didn't see their parents walk with God. Yes, sir. You were right on there. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. That's why the church is falling off. So that's listen, the, that goes back to that prophecy thing you're talking about. Don't make me read right? an entire chapter in the Bible. But I'm just going to say this. If you want to know, as a pastor that's planning a church or want to know why my church isn't really, you know, why are people, I got a lot of people coming. I don't see people's lives changing, though, right? You know, I got them coming to small group, and then we're doing this, and we're doing that. You've seen all the little Christian comedy skits yes. about all the stuff churches are doing to try to attract people. I see why pastors are doing that. But what I want to encourage them with is just read Isaiah 58. Just just go read Isaiah 58, which a lot of people know as the true fast chapter. Right, right. And read about how God, how the children of Israel, you know, are doing all the religious things, thing. They're wearing sackcloth. They're, or we can put that in modern terms. They're going to church and they're leading a small group, right? And they're doing the uh, the shoe boxes. Yep. They're sponsoring two kids through compassion. They're, you know what I mean. They're doing yep. all the stuff. They're going to, um, what is that? What three uh, C? I can't remember what it's called. It's like the Christian men version of of CrossFit. I'm a bit of a fan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of men are doing that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, F3, maybe, maybe it's F3. I can't remember what it's called, but they're doing all that stuff. But the truth is, and it's going to sound awful, but when you hear people are tired of hearing, read the Bible and pray, guess what? <laughs> There's a reason God says that's what we need to do. Cause that's what works, right? That's what works is reading the Bible and praying. And we don't do either anymore. We really don't. And so our kids are just looking for authenticity. They they're tired of the show. They're tired of the smoke machine. They're, I'm not even kidding. I don't even know yeah. why we do the smoke machines anymore. Like, I love them. <laughs> you know, I'm from that generation that loved the concert, right? But I don't know if the kids care about that anymore. I'm not even kidding. Just give me a guitar. Tell me what's going on in your life in between songs. You don't have to preach a sermon. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Show me that you're, you're authentic. Tell me... Tell me, tell me you had a hard time getting up this morning and being at church at 7 o'clock, Mr. Worship Pastor, because you just didn't want to be there today. I know I was that guy every now and then, and I would share that yeah. sometimes from the stage. And I would talk about how it's crazy. Now, I'm not even kidding. We would start rehearsal, you know, the run-through in the mornings with our praise team, and there would be some Sundays I just didn't want to be there. Most of the time I did, if I'm being honest. I just loved it. But there would be some Sundays I didn't want to be there. And by song three, it's like the Holy Spirit says, I got you. Now, <laughs> you were you were wanting to do this and this and this. I've got a different plan today, and it would be one of the most incredible days. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So authenticity, man, please, churches, please go back to Isaiah 58 and read when God says, I don't hear a word you're saying to me. 
your prayers don't even pass the ceiling. And here's why. Right. Because you're not taking care of the orphans and the widows. You're not taking care of the poor and needy. You're, you're, and this is, again, this is me translating and doing my own little, you're, you've never had lunch with someone who doesn't look like you. Mm-hmm. You've never tried to understand someone of a different culture. And you've never tried to introduce them to your culture either. You've tried to throw it, you know, ram it down their throat. Right. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Um, and that's why I think the multicultural church is growing now. You're starting to see people of all cultures realize, you know what? Adam's culture matters to me. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I may be from a, a Latin American country, but I want to know a little bit more. Do I feel more comfortable in my culture? Of course. Let me tell you why I love my culture. And maybe you'll do a song or two that kind of sounds like that. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and you don't ask people to give up their culture to come to your church. You kind of embrace their culture. Right. I've got pastors that hire people of other cultures just so they can look multi-ethnic. Yeah, so they can say it. But, but, right. Yeah, but they don't welcome their culture at all. You know what I'm saying? So it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts how we're, we're doing that. But that's not what Isaiah 58 says. It says you do it, and you do it for real. And I think that's why I just had a Compassion Sunday um, Today is Tuesday. I just had a Compassion Sunday two Sundays ago, and the Holy Spirit just came down on that place. And a couple of people said, man, can we do this again? And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be with compassion. Just the reason you're feeling this now is because you're being obedient to what yeah. God said to yeah. do. That's, that's why. So maybe, you know, next month, everybody gets together and you go do this and this and this. You'd be surprised. Um I'm just telling you, dude, sometimes small groups, I'm not sure. I just got to be careful. Small groups has turned into a little bit of a dating scene, and so you got to keep them Isaiah 58. They got to stay real. They really yeah, do. And they sure. got to stay real to what God has asked us to do. But anyway, so yeah, my, my, I'm going to change my word. So I, I'm going to change authenticity. authenticity. Well, so and I. By th- the way, Adam, I think the reason that churches that are multicultural and churches that are multi generational, when my generation cares about millennials, and cares about Gen Zers, and and uh, a Gen Z cares about a baby boomer and wants to know what was different when you guys were growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they really yeah. care. Right. I, I got a saying that I used to tell my kids all the time: if you'll have a, a an old soul when you're young, like when you're young, if you'll care genuinely care about older people and want to hear them and want to learn how they did things differently. They, they, they're looking forward to telling you about it. We all know that, right? right. But we don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that you walk to school uphill both ways. You know, that's right, kind of right. what the kids would say. Right. But if you'll have an old soul when you're young, when you get old, God will give you a young soul mm. so that you can kind of connect with people younger than you. And that's exactly what he's done in my, my wife and my life. And I pray that for the people listening right now, that you'll you'll understand that someone else's culture matters just as much as yours. Their opinion matters just as much as yours, even if you think they're wrong, right? Their generation was incredible just as much as yours is. And if we could just start doing that and get away from this me monster and my time and me, 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 and start doing you, you, and you, and you, yeah. you'd be shocked yeah. at how God will meet all the needs that you're not having met in your own life right now. But anyway. Yeah, that's that's really good, Scott. I, I you know, So a lot of the things that you say are things I think about all the time but don't really know 
you don't know what to do with them, how to process them, especially as a leader in the church. You know, there's just, you just struggle with these things constantly. Like, you know, we re- you referenced the whole gamut. Like, you're talking through service flow and Sunday, but then outside of Sunday and missions and all those kind of things. And, and that, you know, I know you changed your word up. You went, you prophecy quick and then you went authenticity. But I do think that they both very much go together. And there's a part of me that, that this is going to sound crazy. Now, we've already said it on these last few episodes that there's a part of me that says, the, the church is in good shape. Like, I, I know that we're doing things horribly wrong in lots of kind of ways, but if God is um, reseeding the gospel, if God is pruning and pulling away, if it is pointing to, you know, sort of end times related things that you're talking through or God just setting the scene for for his return, uh, then we're, we're, in a, we're in a good position, right? We're, it's not a bad position. Also, I agree. You know what I mean? I, I, I agree 100%, Adam. I, I believe that the reason the multi generational and multicultural church is the church that's growing now is because that's what heaven's going to look like. Absolutely. And you I know, don't like that dude. You know, you he know, you're uh, like me. I don't like that right. lady and her race and that kind of thing. Really? Well, you're going to need to take that up with God. I'm you're going to have sure a hard really time. Have, you you're know, going to have a hard time um, in heaven if you don't like, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, so I agree with you. But here's the thing. Here's what I tell people all the time, too, is and I'm just going to tell you an observation um, that I have. And this isn't an observation that I've made. This is what I have heard from pastor after pastor in the last year. Um People were starting to do this little part-time carnal, for lack of a better word, carnal Christian thing where they're not really Christians. They're just going to church. Yep. And some of them do it because they should. And some of them do it because they know down deep they should, but they still are doing it out of out of just, you know, a duty and, and to, to make mama happy kind of thing. And then that, what happens is, if you don't encounter Jesus and let him crush your heart and then start rebuilding it so you can give your heart away, that's, that's another episode yeah. on a podcast. Yeah. That's something yeah, else sure. I've, been, I've been studying and taking notes on is just the incredible, incredible thing that our heart is. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason that that's you know, where Jesus lives. And I, it's just an incredible thing the heart is. And God says to guard it, but, Maybe we can talk about that in another episode. But what I was going to tell you is this, this is what pastors have been telling me, that there was a falling away from a church that was going on probably in the early 2000s. Yeah. And it started then, just it like did. you said. It did. It tr- started transitioning. People kept coming sense. to church, but they were falling away. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, they were. They were there in body. Right, they were there. Their heart was not there. Right, their, right. Their obedience was not there. Their life looked no different than some of my lost friends who I respect incredibly because they, they'll tell you they're lost and they don't care that you know it. I, you know, I appreciate that. I, my heart breaks for them. I keep praying for them. I, I do a lot of, I still play travel softball and I get to share with a lot of dudes on the weekends, you know, then, and they're like, man, I appreciate it if you pray for me. And I said, look, I'm going to pray for you, but you got to do your part, you know, yeah. and that's what I wanted to encourage you and Adam is that we, as pastors, as worship leaders, as as people that are that are trying to get church ready for people to come, we we've got to do our part. 
right? So you do the best you can, yeah. and then you just get out of the way. Yeah. And then on Sundays or whatever day it is, you let God have his way, and you be authentic and real in front of the people, and they will they will respond to that because they're not responding to you. The getting out of the they're way part is the hard part. It's Jesus that's yep. changed your life. Yep. Here's what pastors have told me. Now that church is getting back to there's no such thing as normal anymore. There's right. a new normal. They've told me that here's what happened. COVID gave those people that were falling away from church a reason to just stay away. And what's happened is maybe you could, you know, I'll, I'll turn around and ask a question to the host. So this is what pastors have told me. I've heard it over and over again. So our church had XYZ number of people coming regularly before COVID. And then, of course, it dropped off, and we had a lot of people watching online. And, you know, now we have XYZ number of people coming, but it's not the same people. We lost several people, you know, when COVID. But what's crazy is after COVID, we've gained several people. And this is the words they said. Now, these are not my words. Um, The people that we gained are way stronger Christians than the people we lost. Mm. So it's like the people that are in church now want to be here. And the people that left never really wanted to be here. And wherever they are, they're either not in church anymore or they're at another church causing problems there. And I've heard that over and over and over again. Is that true in your life or is that something you'd rather not answer? No, I'll answer it. I for sure. Like, so we are, um, as a church, we are still, and so I just say still because I, I and what all you're saying really helps me bring this in better perspective because um, it's what I feel in my heart. You know, it's just hard to get the words together sometimes when you're trying to analyze something. And you also, yeah. also we're trying to analyze something that that is is that, that is holy. You know, God's church is holy institution of Him, not just some man made thing we created. And so we're never going to be able to fully put our mind around everything that is going on and with the church because it's it's that's in the incomprehensibility of God category too. And so I think that's why we've got to follow more than we than we lead. We got to fo- you know, and I'm I'm wrestling with that, but what. I've, so we're we're at least fifty percent less than we were before COVID when it comes to church attendance, right? Um, and but I agree with you the 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 people that are here, so the people that returned or the people that stay connected through the whole thing, they are they love Christ. Um, and then what we've also noticed is is that the people we're still picking up unchurched, dechurched. Uh, unsaved, lost, whatever word you want to use. I like the word unchurched because it encompasses the whole gamut. Um, we're still picking up people like that every single week, new people coming in to hear the gospel. And what they're encountering now is they're encountering um, basically the whole church being the church, not just sitting in a service. You know, So before, yeah. Yeah. before they were encountering half the church, the people that maybe invited them or brought them doing absolutely nothing. Now they're encountering the people that invite or bring them and the people that serve them are people that are that that love Jesus and are trying to serve them with their whole lives. Of course we all screw up. We all mess up all the time. But they're experiencing the real church. So like when you said to me a minute ago, man, it, it, what you said a few minutes, oh man, it just got me. You know, that whole idea is that the, the church is not the people. The church is the Christ followers, right? And so, right. And so the, right. the, that number, by the way, has not decreased. And so I think this is a, this is a false assumption on our part. 
if you are a follower of Christ, you don't at some point check the nun box and say, I'm not a follower of Christ anymore. Right. Because when Christ gets your heart, when he gets your life, it, it's game over. He owns it. He it's his. He's Lord. And of course, we struggle with all those things. But but I'm not going to hesitate to identify and to say that I am a Christ follower. And so, you know, that number that how many Christ followers there are in the world has increased, not decreased. How many people attend church yeah. or identify as That's Christian? Good. Right. And look, it's COVID was the fire. Yes. It was the test. Absolutely. And so the people that that honored God through that and kept chasing God didn't just clock out. And look, yeah. I, you don't have to go to church every Sunday. And no, you not God. at all. I don't go that. to I but don't go to church every Sunday. If you have a, a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, there's going to be something in you that wants to be with other Christ followers. If you don't like that, take it up with God. But his scripture, the scripture says that. And so there's going to be a part of you that is going to, and if it's not where you're going to church, if you're going to church where you're going because your family's always gone there, you know, I'm, my heart breaks for you because maybe, maybe it's time for God to move you somewhere else. But yeah, absolutely. I'm not a, a proponent of church hopping. I'm a proponent of finding the church that God's leading you to and then doing what he tells you to do there. You got to be right? engaged in the mission. Like, so, you know, like for me, you just like, you don't have to go to church every Sunday. No, you don't. I don't go to church every Sunday. So I, I take Sundays off. I do those things, right? We, there's vacations with families. There's times where you're sick and all those kind of things going on. But what is, what is in my heart so deeply that I can't get rid of? Because if I could get rid of it, Scott, I think I would. Like, I, <laughs> like b- being, being a Christ follower is the, is the sweetest thing I have ever experienced, and it is the hardest all at the same time, wrapped up in this amazing bow called Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? It's just this crazy yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, that's what love is. Yeah. And, and when, when I, you love, there's a part of you that doesn't think about yourself, right? Yeah. And so, look, we had this incredible encounter with Jesus, and now our future is satisfied. Is that where you stop? Right. No. No. You know, I've, I've had so many dudes. I, I love to, you know, I've got a lot of guys I like to hang with, and they'll talk about, man, I never, ever felt guilty and worried about people till I became a Christian. It's killing me. I can't, you know, I, I said, I get it. I get it. Now you know what the prophets felt like in Scripture. Like, it's just like a, I, I, God, they're rejecting everything yeah. that I'm trying to say. They're rejecting everything I'm trying to do. And man, have we ever, in my lifetime, I've never lived in the culture in America that is rejecting everything that a Christ follower believes like we're seeing now. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Let's be honest. Let's be honest because we're kind of soft in America. We're, I'm not – there's no one burning a cross in my front yard because I'm a Christ follower. There's no one, you know, threatening to cane me like yeah, they're doing absolutely. in India because right. I'm a Christ follower. They're not going to, you know, come in China and arrest me and put me into this awful pr- – so it's not like that. But it's a different kind of persecution that yeah, we're going through yeah. in America now, and I get that. And so I tell everybody, you know, you, you start picking on the church. I'm just going to – let me keep it real for you. You're picking you're picking on Jesus' wife, yep. his bride. Yep. Be careful. Be careful. Yep. You know, that friend, of you, that friend of yours may have a wife that don't look so hot now. You better not say anything to him about that. Right. Right? Um, 
she may she may have a little bit of a potty mouth or something like that. And you don't like it, and you say do you you better not say nothing to her husband. Her husband may her husband may pick on her. Yeah, but you can't. You know what I'm saying? So you I tell everybody, be careful what you say about the bride of Christ. You picking the wrong groom and, to mess with. Yeah, right. Yeah. So <laughs> I just think I think you know. There's several reasons for it, man. There just there just is, and it, there's a lot of church leadership that really need to just walk back into the room, get some time away, maybe with the staff, and be real with it, and say, "Man, I just don't like what I'm seeing. I know yeah. we're we're up 42 percent in attendance over last year, giving's up 33 percent. I get it. Something just isn't right. Yep. You know, be." Be authentic with yourself and do that. And, um, and But listen, maybe something is right. Maybe when you got rid of this, this, and this, you started doing this and this and this, something changed. Keep doing that. Yeah. And I just tell everybody, read Isaiah 58. Do that. Stop doing this, like God said, and start doing this, like he says. Well, you know, and if the... What God does with your church. If So I firmly believe that people have always been looking for authenticity. Like, so on a deep level... We always, every generate, everybody wants authenticity. It just depends on how well you're willing to be authentic to create that, but you want it. And I, and I think that, um, I, and obviously that goes back to the fact that, that like, you know, watch Jesus. All you got was authenticity when he was here and it, everybody wanted him. Um, and so there, there, there's a, that's always been a craving of the soul because we're designed in God to be, you know, who we are and, and with him and authentic and real and, and no fear, right? No fear of judgment or what we're going to look like or whatever. And so to me, that's another reason why, like when, when I talked with my daughter, we had her on the last episode and, um, and other young, young, um, Christians, Christ followers, leaders, young ones, I mean, real young ones, like teen, I'm talking teenage, yeah. Yeah. you know, that, uh, that we once again we're in pretty good shape because everybody's always wanted authenticity. This generation yeah. now will tell you that and will stand up for it, and they don't want fake. Now they'll be fake, they they'll do fake, they'll they'll TikTok and Instagram and all that crap. But but they they are looking to the church to lead the way in authenticity, in being real and raw and unfake, and yeah. and they're looking so for I've that. Got a, I've got a. a this is probably an opinion, right? And you know what opinions are. <laughs> right. You know what they are. So, but I think that even my generation down, because my generation, we took over Facebook, which is why the kids are like, it's all old people now, right. and Facebook sucks, right? Um, that's what they always say. But they went to Instagram and TikTok, and now all of the people in my generation are going to those, and they're like, can we not have one social media platform that doesn't have a bunch of old people on it? And I get that. <laughs> but here's the thing. We're all fake. Yep. We're all fake. We, we, the pictures we post are our best pictures. The, we never post what, you know, what's going on when things are going bad. And right. when we do, I've got some friends that are authentic like that when they're sick and all that. It breaks our heart to see it, right? We just can't take it. Yeah, so, yep, we don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. But we're thinking, if I could go to church and get real, I think it would help me with this. Well, then we go to church, and church is filled with all of us in fake people, and we're still staying fake, and we're still acting like everything's great when it's not. And that dude over here is think he's not worshiping God. He's thinking about that girl sitting over there, and this girl here is 
is wanting her husband to this you know she's wanting her husband to you know to go ask forgiveness for what he did that's just crushed their marriage or she's she's thinking about this guy because he makes a lot of money and I, he looks like he takes care of his kids why can't my that's kind of the stuff that we're doing when we're in yeah. church i'm just trying yeah. to if, you know, remember some of the things that I've had people when I was doing counseling as a pastor that would tell me that they did when they were in church because yep. we're humans, right? And really when you're there, the, maybe the first five or ten minutes, you're just trying to get over what you had to go through to get to church. Yep, yep. You know, I used to tell worship leaders, you've got to give people a chance to get rid of some of that. I'm blown away by how many churches. Okay, I'm about to step on some feet now. Bring it. I'm blown away by how many churches begin the service with an intimate heartfelt song to God yeah. and a quiet prayer. When you have no idea what I did just to get my family to church today, you know, Mr. Worship Leader, you've been, Miss Worship Leader, you guys have been worshiping for like two and a half hours this morning because you got there early. I'm just wanting to, you to leave me alone for a minute or two and let me get rid of some stuff. And that's why I really do believe we, we should spend the first five to 10 minutes of our music sets praising and then let us start moving towards worship yeah. towards the end of that. But yeah. that's just me. But again, I'm just saying I'm blown away by how the younger generation just walks right in and the pastor will say, or the worship pastor will say, sing church, sing it with me, dude. I ain't singing nothing with you is what I want to say sometimes with it for the first song. I said, you're just, I don't even want to be here. Right. I mean, that, there's a lot of dudes. I'm just telling you. Is sitting on row five, row eleven, row twenty that are like, I ain't singing nothing with you, dude. Right. So you got to be careful just saying those words just because it's what we do. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. It goes back to the authenticity. Absolutely. Thing. So I tell people all the time one of my observations is the churches that seem to be doing really, really well have men that are being really, really authentic in their worship with God. And I'm going to brag on women for a minute, but maybe I'm just wrong on this. Um, there's some dudes listening to me that are going to say, dude, you don't know my wife, right? But I'm just, it just seems like women seem to come out of the womb being sweet and loving Jesus and never cussing. And you know what I'm saying? It's uh, like yes, women are going to be there and absolutely. they're going to do their thing. And it's why so many churches now seem to be designed for women and the men are just, uh, this ain't for me. And so I, I always want to encourage people, if you want to be authentic, make sure you're being authentic as a man if you're the pastor if yeah, or yeah. the worship leader that's a man. And you know what I mean? Because okay, yep. if you can get men to put to take their mask off, the whole house changes. Yep. Yep. So, Absolutely. But now I feel like I'm preaching, so I'm going to hush. I mean, right. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, we got to wrap up. We can you believe we are at 58 minutes? Do you feel like you okay, feel like we talked? I'm sorry. Do you I'm feel sorry. like we talked for 58 minutes? Do you feel like it? No, not at all. Yeah, not so at all. We're every just, we're just and we know, don't we don't some things that we've seen and yeah, that we absolutely. want to do better absolutely. ourselves. We don't all. we don't care about the time frame on the podcast. You know, like this is this this podcast thing has been so freeing to me so you know we had we had had we talked about doing stuff like this for a long time and then when covid hit it was just game on for anything it was like try let's just do whatever right and so yeah. um we finally did it and i was like look we're gonna do this podcast thing i don't want to i don't want to have it scripted out i don't want to have to i don't want to yeah, i don't be yeah. preaching a message on it i i don't be worried about the but time I, frame i love hearing other people's ideas i really do yeah. we can't do that anymore yep you know I'm a I'm a history nut, and I'm listening to an American Revolution podcast, and they're talking about how 
way, 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 way back when, you could have absolutely diabolically different opinions on things and talk about them and then go have dinner together that yep. night. Yep. We can't do that anymore. Nowadays, if you disagree with someone, you're dead to me. And yep. that's literally not the way Jesus was. Well, you know, I, I really wonder sometimes, this is me being silly, I wonder sometimes when Jesus was messing with the Pharisees, because they thought they were messing with him, but he was messing with them, right? Right. Um, I wonder if he was like, you guys, you know, I wonder, you know what I mean? I, I, it feels like the people that he had a hard time loving, if Jesus ever had a hard time loving any human, were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the religious people, the churchy right. people. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, and so that's that's my thing. I just I want the American church to prosper and to thrive, and I want them to get off the treadmill. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to leave it with this. And I think we're addicted to comfort. We're addicted yeah. to convenience. Yeah. We've got this fear of missing out thing that you know. We never make a commitment and keep it anymore. We only we make a commitment and we only keep it until a better offer comes along. You know that kind of thing. It drives me nuts. Yeah, man, I'll go with you to to work at the at the food shelter, and then the dudes call you that next day to go to a ball game, and you say, "Man, I'm going to have to back out on that thing. I've got something else coming up." We just, you get what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So um, I I feel like sometimes we we just let things our our insatiable, selfish desire for things getting our way. And I'm reminded of when I was on a trip in Kenya uh, with Compassion, had took a group of pastors there, and we were doing a home visit. And I had like six pastors from all over the southeast were with me. And we were in this mud hut in the middle of the Maasai territory where no electricity, um, it, matter of fact, we really struggled breathing in there because they their heat was a flame, right. and it was a mud hut, and so they just you know they got used to the smoke being in there, and we had a hard time with it at first. Right, but right. They were so filled with joy. I mean, they were Christ followers. Their kids were in the Compassion program, and they were so thankful for it, and just absolutely filled with joy. And one of the pastors on the trip was being a Pharisee. It's what I call it. Um, it's just me being judgmental when I say this. Totally get that I'm being judgmental. But he asked what what we would call a loaded question. And he said, well, ma'am, we appreciate you letting us come to your home. You just seem to be so filled with joy. Where does your joy come from? Now, why would a pastor ask that question unless he's expecting her answer to be what? Jesus. Jesus, right. Our joy comes from Jesus, pastor. And blah, 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 and, you know, that kind of thing. But she blew her mind. Here's what she said. She said, well, she said, we, we you are from America. And we live here in, in our territory. And she said, here's where I think our joy comes from. In America, you have things and you have God. And here, we just have God. Mm. Oh my gosh! I think you cut out at that crazy spot just now. I cannot believe. No, it. I didn't cut oh, out. Oh, you paused on I was purpose. Let the mic drop. You let it sit in that room. It just went completely quiet. <laughs> it went silent like that because man, I got it awkward did. just now. Yeah, it yeah. went quiet because you know his eyes got big, and we were all just like that lady just preached an entire sermon to us in twelve seconds. Yep, in one sentence. And it's the truth. It's the truth. Listen, 
don't let your things own you. You know, God gave you the things, and, and we're, we're, it's about to be Christmas time, right? I don't know when this yeah. podcast will this air, one. This one actually I will. Encourage yeah. people that something that compassion taught me a long time ago is that the opposite of poverty is not wealth; it's enough. Mm. And this year, this year, how about trying to teach your family that we've been given way more than enough? Not you know, so we can enjoy our boat and our four car garage and our six cars and our, you know, PS3, whatever. And I'm right. not saying it's not okay to have a few things. Don't get me wrong. But he's given us more than enough so that we can help those that don't have enough have what they need. Yeah. And if you'll just give, God will show you you can't outgive him. And so be authentic. And let's, let's watch, the, well, let's watch uh, Jesus, the, the bride of Christ. Let's watch it you know, come back to growing again. And if, if yeah. God chooses not to do that, if he's just getting us ready for him to, to come back and start the next phase of eternity, then let's be ready for that too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I, honest to God, Scott, think that, and it's taken me a couple of years to get here because I'm a very success, achievement-driven person, and that has been probably, I think that that is my number one, you know, perfectionism, achievement, success, number one sin that bites me all the time that I struggle with consistently. Same, same in, for me. In the last couple of years, man, I really do believe that uh, the bride of Christ is growing. It is adding followers of Jesus. Um, it, it's just we we were always counting everybody who was at church as a follower of Jesus, and um, mm. and that's Come just on. not that's just not the truth. And and you know, and we liked that because we that number made us feel better um, about ourselves yeah. and our success and our achievement. But you know, at the end I'm of the guilty. me too, I'm me too, of that. all the time, I was pastor, so all yeah, the time, I'm guilty of that. You know what's funny though is in the course of the ten years that Union has existed, um, every single Sunday, no matter what we were doing, no matter what day it was, no matter how many people in the room. I always felt like, man, there's not enough people in the room. So it, yeah, it was re- I know, like, I know. so we could go from we could go from one Sunday when we were brand new and we had 35 people, and I'd feel like, man, there's not enough people in the room. And we could walk into, you know, like our third Easter when there was three or four hundred people in the room and go, man, I expected more people. And then we could walk into years later, you know, where we we had two thousand people. On, on a Easter Sunday or a Christmas, whatever it was, I don't know. And me go, man, I felt like there wasn't other people in the room. And then we can walk into post COVID where it's less than it was the week before. And I go, man, I don't feel like it's just always, it's always that. So it can't be, yeah, that yeah. can't be the, you know, that they're that, well, a, good, a good friend of, of ours. You and I have a mutual friend in Sean Lovejoy. And yep. In his book, The Measure of Our Success, he says, we tend to want to count nickels and noses, the offering and That's the number right. of people. That's there. right. That is not how God measures us. So who are we as pastors to measure the bride of Christ in a way that God doesn't measure the bride of Christ? It's hard to do, man. We're human. Absolutely. And thank God he's not finished with us yet. So Yeah, and but, and, and um, you know it is our look, I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I'm the glass isn't even half full for me. The glass is all the way full. Yeah. It's got water and it's got oxygen in the rest of it. That but I'm I am um at compassion they call me they 
they call me Captain Optimistic. But <laughs> the truth is, sometimes you do have to look at some stuff in a different way. I'm, I want to encourage people of all generations to love the people of the other generations and, the, and to really, truly try to find and learn from them because my generation picks on millennials because they don't work and their work ethics, this and this and this. Well, millennials are tired of hearing my generation talk things to death. Right. They're tired of it. They're yeah. tired of, t- of you telling them they can't do things. Yep. And they're like, why not us? Why Why aren't you guys going on mission trips? Well, I've got to work, and I can't get the time off, and I can't afford it. And they say, why can't you do all that? Yep. So I'm just saying there's some value in all the different generations. Um, the, the, the generation that fought World War II that is now – dying there's just not many more of them i really want to sit down in a room with them and i want to just find out what was it like you know what was a typical week like what was your day like what were your dreams and then i want to go to gen z and i want to say you tell me what are your dreams i want you to still dream you know they think the world's a terrible place the gen Zers. it's not it's really not there's outside of jesus a little bit of a mess Yep. I'm not even going to lie. Yep. It yep. really is. Yep. But with Jesus in his hands, right, um, an authentic walk with him will never be boring. It will rarely be in a comfort zone, but it will be incredible. Yeah. And you'll never, you'll, you know, you'll never regret that walk with him, and it'll be authentic. So yep. anyway, Scott, I enjoyed being here. Yeah, man, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you in general, and you know, um, especially like officially like this. this is the first time we've ever done this, I think. But um, uh, I could be wrong. I don't know. We've been doing podcasts now. This is this is episode ninety three, and so we do one every single wow. win- every single Wednesday. So it's been going on. For almost two years now, um, uh, maybe a yeah, yeah, almost two years. Not quite. We took a few weeks off and stuff. And so, um, I don't have any clue who listens to it. We don't even look at the metrics, so we don't even we don't even pull. And people will, people will blast me for this. I have some friends that will call me, and be like, "You're stupid. You should look at eh, not right now." We don't uh, <laughs> we we don't well. we don't even look at how many people listen or anything. And it's just one of those things where um, you know, if anything, at the end of the day, um, it's just beneficial to me. And so. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate well, your perspective. Whether one person or 1,000 or 10,000 are listening, I just pray that they yes. know we're just I sharing our heart. I and agree. we're not saying we're right and they're wrong, and we're, you know, but we'd love to hear their ideas. And Absolutely. And they get a blessing out of it. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate you. Um, real quick, uh, if anybody wants to find out about Compassion, the best, best shot is the website. Well, if they want to find out about Compassion, the best shot is to actually just reach out to me okay. um, because you can go to the compassion website. It's incredible. But a lot of times that's not real personable. Yep. Right. Yep. But um, my email is my first initial and my last name S limerick. So S L I M E R I C K at us.ci.org. Or you can just head to compassion.com. Yep, you got it. And I'd love for you guys to do that. It's a phenomenal organization. Like you've heard on the podcast multiple times, uh, Union Church only works with two uh, international mission organizations and Compassion International and Casas Por Cristo. That's it. And uh, 
we're all in on that. So make sure you do that. Check in. Talk with Scott. He'll talk to anybody. He'll email back anybody. He'll call anybody. Feel free to get with him um, at all. He's very personal in that way, as you can tell on the podcast. And then we'll throw in some notes here. You mentioned a lot of stuff. You mentioned Isaiah 58. You mentioned uh, Sean's book, Measure of Our Success, uh, a bunch of stuff. We'll throw all that in the podcast notes. You guys make sure that you – uh, like this and share this if you liked it. If you don't like it, don't say anything. Um, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, like it, share real. it, follow yeah. us on all the social places on uh, Facebook and Instagram, the two that we're on. And um, we just appreciate everybody listening. And we'll be back for, um, I believe, I'm, I am pretty certain, Scott, that this will go before Christmas. And so it's everything we said, that thing you said about Christmas, it actually fits. So it'll work out. Um, and then uh, we, I think we've got one more episode. Um, you guys, one more episode in this series, Symptoms of a Dead Church, before we uh, roll into the first of the year and, and go a different route. So, Scott, thanks again, Great. buddy. Appreciate you. And we'll see you guys um, later. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.